welcome to the Skinfluencer Podcast, a place where we can discuss, along with some very special guests, how beauty and fashion intersect with race, identity, and culture. Welcome back, folks. Today's guest is Aisha Harun. She is an Ethiopian-Canadian lifestyle creator currently based in Los Angeles, but originally from Toronto, Canada. She was one of the very first black hijabi YouTubers. So we are speaking with a legend today, folks. Now, one of my very, very good friends, Batul, um, who is also hijabi, she's Palestinian, currently based in Uh, Canada, she helped me come up with some of the questions for this conversation. And I spoke a little bit about this in in this episode, but Skinfluencer's audience is very diverse. You all come from various racial, ethnic, and economic backgrounds and from all different religions or no religion like myself. Um, But I think Batul came up with some really great questions that I think are not only relevant within the Muslim community, but also questions that I think that you guys, Skinfluencers audience, um, might be interested in learning about. And that's really what Skinfluencer is all about. Um, so I met Aisha around, I want to say like six years ago at VidCon. And she'll tell you all about this story of how we met. Um, and we just stayed in touch since then. I think Aisha is such a good influencer. I think she's really, really good at her job. And if you already know her, period, like as you should. But if you don't know her, then I hope that this podcast episode uh, serves as a really great introduction. So without further ado, let's get into it. Ladies and gentlemen, her. So uh, hello, Miss Aisha. Hello, Asia Jackson. Thank you so much for coming on the Skinfluencer podcast. I'm honored, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I have gotten a lot of requests to have you on. Oh my God. So I'm very happy that you're here. Wait, for real? Yeah. <laughs> no, I yeah. That. No, Yeah, I put on the Skinfluencer Instagram story. I was like, who do you want to see on the Skinfluencer podcast? And a lot of people were like, I want to see Aisha. And I was like, yes. I love that. I'm so excited. Yeah. Is Aisha an Arabic name? Yeah, so it's an Arabic name. I believe it means life. Oh, okay. That could be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it could also mean princess. I don't know. Let's maybe I should Google that. No, yeah, because a lot of people were saying like, "Oh, your your name." They were saying it to me Asia. like, "Oh, yeah, your name is very similar to like this Arabic name, and it yeah. means princess or yeah, something like that." I so. think it is princess. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, <laughs> Asia Aisha. Yeah. So. What's really exciting is that um, I have a very, very, very good friend of mine who is also a hijabi. Mm-hmm. She's Palestinian. And um, I she like helped me like come up some with some questions for this oh, nice. uh, interview. So I'm very excited. Um, I think we came up with some questions that are like very relevant within the Muslim community. But also, you know, Skinfluencer's audience is very, very diverse. Yeah. And um, there's people of different racial, ethnic backgrounds and of all different religions. So I, you know, wanted to include some questions also that like people might be interested in learning about. So, you know, each episode of Skinfluencer, I like to be kind of like a learning experience for everyone. Fun. Yeah. So uh, hopefully, you know, 
people were, will learn something from yes. this. Yes. <laughs> I, I feel like we should also mention like how we met because it's kind of a funny story. Oh my God. Yeah. I was just telling Z. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was back in 2017. Yep. Do you remember? I do. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So, um, it was VidCon. It was my first VidCon. I was so nervous. It was my first VidCon too. Yeah. yeah. And I, they somehow got me on like the main stage and I was terrified. And I, I was like, okay, I think I can do like a hijab tutorial, talk about like my hijab experience and stuff online. And then day of, I was like, I can't do this. I'm backing out. Like, I'm so nervous. And I was like, I don't even know who's gonna, who I'm going to do this hijab tutorial on. And then they were like, oh, it's Asia. And I was like, who's Asia? And they sent me it. And then I was like, oh, she's cute. And then we met and it was just like instant. And yeah. you made me feel so comfortable. And we did our little hijab tutorial. We did. And it In was that so cute. huge auditorium. That was literally terrifying yeah i remember like <laughs> right before you um like right before we went on yeah you were like in the back like rehearsing like your thing yeah i was like oh i'm so glad i don't have to talk literally <laughs> and like from that day you know i'm glad i did that yeah but i would never do it again <laughs> i would never do it again i just it was so nerve-wracking because back then you were still living in canada I was still living in canada yeah. i had just graduated uh oh, college right. yeah. um literally like a month prior and yeah i just had never done anything like that before like i had i think i had just also hit a hundred thousand mm-hmm. subscribers I remember on that. youtube like, yeah the week prior yeah it was yeah it was a lot but honestly i i'm like i did that y- you sure did i wouldn't do it again though <laughs> <laughs> so what what did you go to college for so i studied uh business administration okay with a and i focused on marketing and brand communication oh so this is like the same thing basically yeah yeah (laughs) and it's it's funny because like towards the end of my like university experience like I was taking a lot of marketing and brand communication classes and it, and I was also like doing influencer stuff at the same time mm-hmm. and on YouTube and like I worked that into every single part of like my projects and for whatever reason the professors were like yeah I don't know like I feel like influencer marketing is like not you know not very viable for like all of, and I'm like look at us now, look at us now. <laughs> exactly <laughs> so it's yeah I mean it's it's definitely really helped with like my influencer career, I feel like just like taking it more seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, I feel like it like, I mean, people don't go to college now and are like super successful. Right. Yeah. So it's like not for everyone, but I personally really, really loved my experience and I'm glad that I did something that's relevant to what I'm mm-hmm. doing now. Right. Right. Yeah. How did you get into influencing? Because I want to I just want to say this right now. You are yeah. such a good influencer. Oh, my God. Like You're really good at what you do. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So I, I started I was 16 years old. Oh, my Oh my gosh yeah i did I, not know that you started that early 2011 okay well technically i actually started in 2009 okay in like eighth grade i was doing youtube music covers oh my god so like all of the like the tori kelly's and like the i'm forgetting all the people that i used to watch aj Raphael. oh yeah like, i was obsessed <laughs> with all of them and i was like i could do that like i can sing pretty well <laughs> and um i yeah i started posting like covers and they were actually like getting some traction i think i had about a thousand subscribers and then the beauty scene kind of like picked up around 2010 and I was just kind of like, I want to switch to beauty. So I made a separate channel and that one kind of just like became more of like a passion for me. I started off just doing like makeup tutorials mm-hmm. here and there. And then um, I feel like at the time, because I started so early, there was literally like no other black hijabis on YouTube doing beauty. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I kind of created a name for myself in that space. And it was really cool because I got to interact with a lot of like people 
that looked like me online mm-hmm. and like you know we could talk about beauty and it was this fun space and I, I only went full-time with it uh in 2017 so I don't know, six years later. Yeah. Um, after I graduated and honestly it was the best decision I could have made. And I'm like super thankful with like how it happened. Cause like, I feel like if I started now, it would be very different. It'd be for like money and like all of right, that. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. Back then I was just making embarrassing videos in my childhood <laughs> bedroom um, and people liked it. So I continued. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Did you, when you lived in Canada, cause you just mentioned that it was really cool to be able to connect with other like black hijabis online mm-hmm. and like really have that community for yourself where you grew up in Toronto, were there other black hijabis like you? So you grew yeah. up around that for sure yeah yeah Toronto is super diverse Mm -hmm. so yeah born and raised in Toronto I moved here like four years ago it was a little bit of a culture shock because Toronto is literally like I am not the only black hijabi in the room a lot of the time um walking around you just see so many cultures like just so many religions like just there's so there's so it's so diverse and Mm -hmm. like anytime I go back to Toronto now after living in LA I feel culture shock because I'm like damn Mm. like there are actually a lot of it's so many beautiful different faces so I feel like growing up like I was able to like really just kind of be myself um the high schools and stuff I went to were majority white um especially in my college like I was maybe one of like five or even three like black people in my program wow um like when I graduated so that was kind of crazy it was a little bit different for me um I feel like I went through a little bit of an identity crisis there but um overall I think just growing up in Toronto like really made me who I am and like although I was still able to connect with a lot of like black Muslims all over the world like in beauty it's not like it like I was lacking that in my life Mm -hmm. it was just more like whoa there's so many of us out there right um but yeah I mean it was really cool to like kind of create a space for people like me you know yeah yeah yeah. and now there's like hundreds and thousands of people you know beautiful black women that are like doing this influencer stuff and it's really really great to see yeah yeah so disclaimer y'all uh today's gardening day so if you hear some (laughs) some buzzing in the background uh there's nothing i can do about that unfortunately but you know we're here we're doing it (laughs) um so what is like your how does your experience as a black hijabi in Toronto different from being in LA? Oh my God. It's very, it's night and day, honestly. Like Toronto, I could, like, it's not, it's not really a thought that like, oh, I'm a black hijabi walking around this grocery store right now. It's not a thought because there's people that look like me everywhere. Right Here, it's very much like I'm thinking about that all the time because I am the only one, mm. you know, like I, I live in downtown and I'm walking around downtown and like, there's no other hijabis it's it's i feel like a little bit out of place sometimes Mm. um especially like sometimes going to events and stuff there's not a lot of us out here either um whenever i see like even whether it's black hijabi or not anytime i see any other hijabi i'm like running to them like hi like where the hell did you come from because like (laughs) you don't see them here so i feel like i've kind of had to I'm glad I moved when I did because I kind of like knew who I was at that point and I didn't feel like I had to like like I mentioned I had kind of an identity crisis in college Mm -hmm. like I was like I'm around some people who don't look like me and I'm like trying to fit into like what they're doing and whatnot but when I moved here I was so sure of myself and like who I was as a person both online and in real life so I was able to just kind of like make genuine connections with people and like be authentically myself and like fit into that but yeah I mean it's still always like in the back of my mind I'm like I definitely look very different than everyone else mm-hmm. here um I don't do the same things as everyone else here uh but I think I don't know I've really like grown in LA 
like in so many aspects of my life. So mm-hmm. I'm thankful for that. But um, yeah, I feel like anytime I go to Orange County, there's a lot of hijabis. Really? Which is really cool. Yeah. Oh. Orange County, that's where like all the Muslim population is. Oh, really? I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, here there's, there's few and far in between. But yeah, I, I think I think because like I mentioned, I'm so sure of myself. It hasn't been that great of like an issue, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, that's really good to hear, though. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's kind of difficult to be a young person just in general, like no matter your background. It's yeah. just so hard to like be a young person making content online 100%. because like I know just for myself, like I started when I was, I don't know, like 22. That's when I went like full time. I'm so glad I didn't start when I was a teenager. Yes. Because yes. I did not know who I was yeah. as a teenager. Mm-hmm. So that's why whenever I see like teenagers um, creating content and like being, um, I guess, like criticized for doing things, mm-hmm. I kind of really feel for them. For sure. Because when I was a teenager, I was a dumbass. <laughs> yeah. Like I was so stupid and I thought I knew everything. Yeah, exactly. And I didn't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> no, I totally agree with that. Like I feel like I was actually talking about this recently, I think like just on my channel and because I just recently hit um, like half a million subscribers on YouTube and people were just like, oh, my God, you've been on here for so long. Like, how have you not? Why don't you have a million yet? You know, or like I thought you hit this a while ago. And I'm just kind of like, you know what? I'm 27 now. I'm so thankful that like I'm able to grow my platform at the age that I am mm-hmm. right now, because if that had been when I was 60, I started my channel at 16. Imagine if it was like overtime, overnight success. I wouldn't have been able to accept that. I wouldn't have been able to handle that. Yeah. So I'm just like so thankful that like everything has been blossoming in the ways that it has been because yeah, I mean, there's like 17, 18, 20 year olds, like, you know, they have so much responsibility now because of who they are online Mm -hmm. and they don't like, they're, they're not able to just grow within themselves without everyone criticizing their right, which is just like terrifying. Yeah. Terrifying. even in my early 20s when I was doing content that really affected me like yeah. people's commentary about my identity for what sure. I looked like how I was living my life that yeah. really affected me so I can't imagine what it's like for like literal teenagers exactly yeah yeah I know it and the internet can be a scary place like just I mean I <laughs> I have everything online you know from like me going to prom to graduating mm-hmm. high school to graduating college to getting married the first time getting a divorce like going through the pandemic alone away from family getting married again like it's just you can literally see so many points of my life online and it's been like what I, the, the stage that I'm in right now is like learning boundaries I don't know if mm. you ever struggled with this because I feel like YouTube can be such a personal platform I feel like people who are on TikTok and Instagram now don't understand that like personal connection that you have with your viewers on YouTube mm-hmm. and you feel like you just want to be so open and share every single aspect of your life forgetting that like it's okay to create boundaries sometimes like especially as you get older and I'm like so thankful that I learned that because like it just you know so many people are just so entitled to like what like what parts of their life they want from you you know so so how did you figure out that you needed to create boundaries online I think it it all kind of came through like you know, going through like a divorce and breakup online. I think that's when I sat back for the first time and I was like, damn, like I really have to share this most intimate part of my life with the internet. I know I'm going to get like a million questions and I did and I still continue to. Mm -hmm. Um, So how, how I'm going to, how am I going to like 
continue my content moving forward. And that's kind of when I sat down with, with myself. I was also going through therapy at the time. So like my therapist really, really helped me to like realize that I wasn't creating boundaries online. And that's why I felt so much anxiety over like sharing different things about mm-hmm. my life. So I think I just like, I honestly took a break from YouTube for a little bit. It wasn't long, but I took a break and I kind of just reevaluated like where I want my content to go, like what type of person I want to be online and all of that while still maintaining like my super authentic self. Because I think that's why a lot of people have connected to my content. Like I've been able to just be completely myself, share so many intimate moments of my life, whether it's family, friends, all of that. Um, But at some point like for my own mental health and my peace like I need to be able to just like step back and be like you know I don't need to answer every single question like I used to be the girl on Q&A's and I looked through everything and I'm like I would answer every single one even the ones that like made me feel uncomfortable right why am I doing right yeah like what is the purpose of that and I think through hearing people's comments like majority of them were obviously super supportive people being like take your time whatever but then it was also the people like well you owe us this you know you shared so much of this so like why can't you share all of the rest of it and that's when I was like okay this is some weird parasocial relationship that people think they have with me um and it's just it's not healthy Mm -hmm. so I I started just like sharing a little bit less and then once I got comfortable with that level of sharing that I had I was like okay this is a new normal for me you know I'm able to just like experience life meet new people like have experiences go on trips and not feel obligated to bring my vlog camera and vlog every single second you know and and I just that's kind of how I created that balance and like now I'm like so much happier it's not like I would constantly think about oh I need to record this moment right constantly right always had my vlog camera I was that girl that was at you know friends kickbacks and stuff with my with Mm -hmm. my camera and I'm like I know that's annoying yeah like because I see that now and I'm like that's annoying I you know I just want (laughs) to chill right now right yeah so that's kind of that was like the connect for me I was like I just need to chill a little bit yeah I don't need to know every single aspect of your life right Yeah. yeah yeah I feel like for me because I since I've started a youtube channel i've never been in a relationship since then yeah and so i didn't really feel like the pressure to share anything yeah um some people sometimes people ask me like oh can you do a video about like why you're single or like whatever and i'm like honestly it's a really boring story (laughs) like i don't think people want to like hear about it so that's the boundary that i've kind of created for myself because i don't have to talk exactly (laughs) um but also uh i do kind of like resonate with what you said about Mm -hmm. like recording everything every single moment I think that brought a lot of anxiety for me and you know we always talk about that work-life balance and I felt like there was no balance there Um, my work was my life it is yeah and so I had to figure out how I wanted to authentically share things that were going on in my everyday life Mm -hmm. without feeling like I had to be on all the time or without feeling like oh my God, I forgot to record this. So it's not going to be in the vlog and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, now I'm not going to have enough footage to put in the YouTube video. And it's just like, it was, I don't know, it was a lot to contend with. And I think as a, as any creative, you have to like kind of find that balance for yourself because what's balanced for you is probably different from what's balanced for me exactly and so I think it's very very personal to each creator and um have have you ever 
noticed that since you started making boundaries, your viewership was affected in any way? Yeah, for sure. I feel like um, obviously, you know, the topics that people love to hear about are like dating and, Mm -hmm. and relationships and like marriage and like all of those. And I know anytime I post videos like that, they will get lots of views mm-hmm. and um and then when I just share random things about my life it's like not as much you know so it's kind of like it's it's a really interesting balance of like okay do I share this because it'll help my channel and help you know my career grow or do I keep this private mm. um and but also the opposite has happened I feel like <laughs> even though I have I don't really share much about like my current relationship and my marriage I like people are more into my life but into just like my day to day, which is really interesting. Mm. It's like, was I not interesting when I was single? <laughs> like, <laughs> so it's it's really funny. I'm like, I'm kind of shading my audience, but <laughs> but um, maybe it yeah. has something to do with like the pandemic. I feel like everyone maybe. was a different person yes. during that time, and yes. it was like we're all at home. We're all looking at ourselves in the mirror every single day. Yeah. We're staying with ourselves because, and you were alone during the yes. pandemic. So yeah. was I. Yeah, I learned a lot about myself exactly during that time. Same. Yeah. Same. A lot about myself, but also how much I actually enjoyed being alone. Mm. Like I, I'm a extreme ent- uh, extrovert. Like I love being around people. I love meeting new people. All of that. Um, so I felt like you know going through a pandemic alone like would be extremely lonely, and at times it was. But majority of the time, I kind of loved it. I was like, this is the first time in my life where I'm like not living with roommates, not living at home with my family, not living with a significant other. Like I get to actually just learn who I am Mm. and like what I actually enjoy doing, you know, going on hikes by myself, going on walks by myself, like just going to the beach by myself just to read a book or watch the sunset. Like I learned so many things that I just genuinely loved. And I'm like, I'm pretty cool to hang out with, like, you know, just by myself. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And I really just enjoyed my own company. And that was like the first time in my life where I ever I always felt like I was a very hyper independent person. But this was the first time I actually proved it, you know, like going on solo trips, stuff like that. It's like I learned so much about myself when I was alone more Mm. than I did with like any other aspect of my life so um you know being alone can be scary and I actually got a lot of questions about this during that time too they're like can you do videos about like how to live alone or like how how lonely do you get like just different things like that and I feel like a lot of people feel this like sense of like you you're you're a sad woman if you just like live alone Mm. and like people just feel bad for you. They sympathize. Yeah. But I'm like, I'm totally fine. Like, I actually love it. And I'm I'm not putting up a front. Like, I actually love it. Right, so yeah. like, now on the opposite end of like, living with a significant other again, I'm like, damn, I kind of enjoyed my space. <laughs> <laughs> no, but... It's funny you brought that up though. <laughs> yeah. Because like, every... Like, I remember this one specific time. I don't remember yeah. who I was talking to, but I had just met a person and they were asking like, oh, do you like, do you have a boyfriend? And I was like, no. And they were like, oh, I'm sorry. And I was like, sorry for what? <laughs> Literally, like, <laughs> like huh? I don't need your sympathy. Yeah, like, I was, like, so confused yeah. that this person, like, felt sorry for me because I was single. I was like, that is so crazy. Yeah. And I feel like it's, <laughs> I think for women, we're, like, raised to, like, sure. really care about not being single. Yeah. And so when you 
say that you're singles for some reason people are like oh my god i'm so sorry yeah. that that is happening exactly to you. but and i'm like, like i'm not yeah i'm, I'm enjoying life <laughs> yeah i'm building a career exactly. like i'm you know just living life and, yeah. and there's nothing wrong with that it's i i think it's honestly it was the most empowering like part of my life for sure wow that's awesome for sure yeah it's so funny that you brought up your experience because i'm an extreme introvert oh and so i'm i was like always by myself like yeah. even before the pandemic there would be like five days where i wouldn't leave the house wow. and now i guess that doesn't seem like that big of a deal yeah. but before the pandemic that was like whenever i told someone that they were like you're insane <laughs> <laughs> so i'm like really used to being alone yeah. um but during the pandemic I was forced to be alone. Yeah. And so that was when I realized like, oh, I actually really like experiencing life with other people. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really interesting how an extrovert learned to love being alone exactly. and an introvert learned to love being around other people <laughs> yeah that is like, so interesting i think it's when when you're forced into a situation that is not of nature to you you're like wait a second the grass is kind of greener on the yeah, other right, side yeah. like, <laughs> but i mean i think that's beautiful like you we learn so much about ourselves in like this this i mean it wasn't short it felt very long yeah <laughs> It was a very long pandemic, yeah. but it's really great that like a lot of people were able to like come out of it really knowing who they are mm -hmm. and like what they want out of life too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So enough about life talk. Yes. This is Skinfluencer. <laughs> so we're here to talk about beauty and fashion. <laughs> so I have um, a bunch of questions here Let's for see. you. So, and these are such good questions. Okay. I can't wait to like. Let's hear them. Okay. So my friend Batul, who yes. is um, who came up with a lot of these questions, uh, she also lives in Canada, actually, but oh. she's from Edmonton. Wait, I feel like I've seen her on your... You've shown her a couple yes. times. Yeah. yeah, she's been on my YouTube channel okay, before. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah, I've definitely seen her. Oh, yeah, that's oh, awesome. Cool. Yeah, Wait, she, how did you guys meet if she's from Canada? <laughs> <laughs> we met online. Oh! We met on Twitter. No I way. like So I'm a military brat, yeah. so I have moved all over the place all the time, yeah. and the only constant in my life were my online friends. Aww. Because, like, I was moving... In a different country sometimes yeah. like every one to two years so i i didn't really have like a solid group of friends that i grew up with yeah but um yeah so like growing up all a lot of my friends have been online and oh. um yeah i've known her since like 2013 oh my god yeah that's so cute yeah i love that yeah so wholesome but uh, she asks, um, how do you define or think about modesty and what does it mean to you? So this is a great question, actually, because I feel like my idea of modesty has really evolved mm. from like when I, you know, first started my channel to now, because I think, you know, growing up in Toronto, I was around a lot of Muslims. I feel like I didn't really have to prove my modesty or prove like any type of my being because I wore the hijab like I don't know there was just like people we wore the hijab but we were also people in it like in our own selves right you know? yeah and I feel like growing up online now I have been shamed a lot for like the way that I dress and and the way that I define modesty and the way that like I choose to live my life and it's like I prior to being online I never felt that like weird pressure mm -hmm. But it just, it kind of came to, I came to a realization that like everyone obviously has their very own idea of what modesty is to them. You know, some people choose to, obviously I choose to wear the hijab. I've been wearing it since I was 12 or 13 years mm -hmm. old. Um, but I feel like the way that I dress might not be in line with 
other people who consider themselves modest you know some people consider themselves modest if they're wearing like a full-on abaya or covering head to toe and stuff like that and I'm cool with like you know experimenting with trends and whatnot um like what I consider modest is what I consider modest for myself but it's not necessarily what everyone else thinks so I think for me it's been a kind of tug and pull um learning what styles match with me and also evolving as well like understanding that modesty in terms of islam is kind of like one way or another and learning like what how do i fit into that you Mm -hmm. know what am i going to do that makes me feel comfortable i wear the hijab i dress modestly in my sense looser clothing like and i make it my own thing you know Mm -hmm. sometimes i used to wear the turban stuff like that um But I think also the other aspect of it is like I am a curvy woman. I'm not a typical like slim, you know, model figure that a lot of modest influencers have. And that in and of itself redefines modesty for me because Mm. what's modest on me is going to look completely different on someone who has no curves at all, you Mm -hmm. know, Um, and vice versa. So it's kind of been I kind of have shaped my sense of modesty around being a black curvy woman i love experimenting with fashion i still consider myself dressing modest but yeah you might see my curves because i have them and and i can't hide them you know so i think just like sticking to what feels right to me and what feels right to my connection with god has really helped with like my sense of modesty um i feel like that answer was all over the place but it kind of is (laughs) no that was great Yeah. yeah it's kind of this like constantly evolving thing for me um, and learning and growing through it too. Yeah, I'm really glad that you brought up how like your the shape of your body kind of changes how people perceive what to yes. to be what is modest or not because um, I feel like a lot of like curvier black women mm-hmm. experience that like sure. they can't wear like a low cut top the same way that I can yeah. because I'm I'm a lot smaller. Mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of curves and for some reason when I wear a certain top yeah. it's classy, but when <laughs> they wear it it's like, "Oh, like why are you showing all that off?" Exactly. So I'm really glad that you brought that up. I think that's yeah. a really interesting point. Yeah. Exactly. There was this sound that was trending on TikTok that was like um do i have or do i show off my boobs or do i just have big boobs and exist (laughs) and it's like yeah i'm just (laughs) existing in life as a curvy woman right i dress modestly but that might not be the same to you because maybe you don't have the curves i don't like you know yeah it's it's this it's this yeah it's this really awkward shift sometimes yeah do you ever feel like you're responsible for (laughs) like the hijabi community like yeah. I don't I don't know. I feel like um, if someone who's not part of the community sees you and mm-hmm. they're like, oh, that's how all of them are. Yeah. Do you ever feel that responsibility? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I do. Um, I think even just like walking down the street, anyone can usually tell who knows anything about Islam that I am a Muslim woman. Mm-hmm. And, you know, someone who doesn't wear the hijab, they don't really have that same responsibility on their shoulders yeah. because they can kind of blend in. And, um, you know, Either one is a choice for that person. Um, For me, I do choose to like obviously represent my faith. Um, And while I don't want to be coined as like a spokesperson for Islam, and I don't think any other hijabi ever wants to, there is a sense of responsibility that you have with that because Mm. people will automatically, you know, assume that like, okay, if if, if one hijabi is doing this, 
that means all of them are doing it right which is a really dumb generalization but that's just how humans like a lot of humans like to generalize um and especially in the online community so obviously you know with the 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 certain things that I do the, the brand deals that I take on the types of events that I go to and share um I'm always like it's always in the back of my mind like you know, that that might seem like a lot of pressure, but at the same time, I feel like honored for that responsibility. Mm-hmm. Like I'm able to actually hopefully positively represent, you know, a group of women. And um, while I don't represent every single one of them, I do make sure that I am, like I said, just like cognizant of like what I'm doing and all of that. Yeah. Um, but I mean, at the same time, there are so many different hijabis and all of the all over the world that have completely different viewpoints experiences in life and that's what i love about the fact that there's so many influencers like hijabi influencers popping up now Mm -hmm. because you can literally find anyone that fits to your taste Mm -hmm. and i love that like if you don't if you if my content and the way that i represent my life doesn't represent you you can find someone else, right? You You can unfollow, you can find someone else. And I love that. So I think, um, it it takes a little bit of the pressure off for sure. Um, but there is always a little bit for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And also speaking to like the diversity of hijabis, like how do you feel like your experience as a black hijabi specifically differs from anyone else? Yeah. I mean, you know, black women in general, we are the most disrespected woman in America. Um, so adding, hijab to that it it's kind of like a double whammy like mm-hmm. here we go <laughs> like triple minority here um that was really tough for me i feel like in the beginning parts in terms of being an influencer in the beginning parts of my career because i i absolutely noticed especially in canada like a lot of the opportunities were going to you know people who didn't look like me or or you know brands would reach out to hijabis for their tokenism but it would be like an arab hijabi you Mm -hmm. never see a black hijabi in an influencer campaign or anything like that so i feel like i really really had to like work like 10 times harder yeah you know um but at the same time i didn't really focus on that it was something that i understood i was like this is just the fact yeah (laughs) but i never like sat in my pity like oh this woe is me like i can't believe that i have to do this and like this person's getting this opportunity and i'm not because i'm a black hijabi right right i didn't really like sit in my misery i was just kind of like okay that's fine like noted i'm gonna work hard and i'm gonna get these opportunities Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna succeed and on all of that and um i didn't make an excuse for myself so i i feel like um the non-black influencer community in the like muslim space um they definitely like in in the earlier years of like influencers you know they wouldn't like give black people their flowers which kind of sucks and i feel like now it's kind of become a more like accepting space which i love you're seeing a lot more black hijabis in different like arab campaigns for example mm-hmm. which never happened ever like maybe five ten years ago mm-hmm. um there was always like an underlying sense of racism in that community which is like hard it's a hard pill to swallow because you're like okay well we're all muslim we're taught that everyone is equal whether you know your skin color your race anything um but obviously humans don't you know oblige with that all the time so um it's just kind of like giving grace to yourself and not like i said sitting in your misery and just like accepting who you are loving who you are unconditionally Mm -hmm. and just like letting the world see that yeah Yeah. i love that Mm -hmm. you you brought up uh very briefly like about tokenism yeah have you ever felt tokenized when you doing like when doing brand deals and how do you 
how do you deal with that? Because I know that for me. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I do feel that. And it's like, yeah, I, I always talk about being black and Filipino and I'm like really loud and proud about my about who I am because yeah. I, I have a lot of pride and love for my cultures. But also sometimes I do feel like <laughs> brands like tokenize me yeah. when I like enter a space with a brand and I'm like the only one that looks different. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I'm really honored to be here and to be representing both of my communities. But at the same time, like, why am I the only one? <laughs> yeah, no, 100 percent. And you saying that like there's one instance that like instantly got brought into my head. And it, this was a brand trip um, like four years ago. And I remember I was actually late to it because I had missed my flight. <laughs> but anyways, I got there and um I was, you know, chatting with the other influencers and they were just kind of like, oh my God, like we're so thankful you're here because we were looking around at ourselves and all of them were white. And they were kind of like, why would they only invite? Because even the white people felt that way. They're like, why would they only invite like three white influencers? And and they were like, when you came here, we we're like, okay, at least there's like one. And that was the first time I was kind of like, damn, like I'm really the token here. Yeah. Like they invited three white influencers because that's what they wanted. And they kind of like threw me in there. And that was the first time I was like, damn, this this happens. And like, this is a situation that I'm in. It's tough because it's like on one end, it helps your career. Right. You know, just being real. It helps your career when you are kind of placed in those token. Yeah, you're tokenized. Um, and you are you are the only person in that realm that like gets that experience, which like sucks for the grand scheme of things. For you in that moment, it's great. But I always make sure that when I'm in those spaces, I make it known that like, this is not acceptable. Mm. Um, you know, whether it's talking to the brands and being like, it would have been really nice to see like some other black girls here or yeah. something, you know, like I'm, I'm very vocal about that. Anytime I'm invited on a panel and I'm the only black person there, I will obviously mention that as well. Um, and I think like the, the influencer space has gotten better with tokenism for yeah. sure. It's not, a hundred percent there yet um but i think with the fact that like brands will be called out now like it's not even like a thing where like you might be called out in the back end like people will call you out straight up on right. tiktok yeah. now <laughs> absolutely <laughs> and, yeah and um so i think because of that they're a little more like aware of like okay let's not let's not be performative here let's mm -hmm. actually look through and like who aligns with our space you know who aligns with our products and like reach out to them but there's still a long way to go yeah but yeah i mean like i don't know how you deal with that because it's you know you want to you want to obviously remain true to yourself but at the same time it's like this is your livelihood this is your career mm -hmm. at the same time so it's like if you aren't you might be invited to these spaces to be a token but maybe that's like the step in the right direction because while you're there you can call them out. You can mention something and maybe the next time it'll change and you might give an opportunity to someone else that looks like you. Yeah, yeah. I feel like as the tokens, we yeah. do have a responsibility to kind of bring up these issues because if we feel that way, they're not going to know until we tell them. Exactly. And I mean, that's just the way it's going to be. They are yeah. not in our shoes. They have mm -hmm. no idea what it's like for us. So we have to be really vocal about that. Yeah. I remember I went on a brand trip and there was like this ambassador program 
um, that they had and the influencers that they chose in previous the influencers that they chose in previous years were very skinny yeah like same size and so the year that I joined the ambassador program they invited um, a plus size influencer to be part of it so we were like oh yeah that's awesome I'm really glad that you're here but then as one of the events as part of like the ambassador program mm-hmm. they took us to a clothing store yeah. but they didn't have any clo- clothes that would fit that would fit her and so it's like you know it's really great that brands are being cognizant of like these disparities but you also have to be active in in that because you can't just (laughs) invite a plus size influencer take us to a clothing store and not have anything for her it's just like inviting like a black person for your makeup launch and not having a shade for them Mm -hmm. it's just like you know I feel like that's one of the issues that a lot of people have with tokenism like oh you know we're here and we're visible but are we being catered to like everyone else is yeah yeah no 100% I feel like I haven't been first of all that experience is heartbreaking yeah like I've been to I've been to showrooms around LA like when I first moved here I you know my management would kind of take me to different showrooms and stuff and like it was the same thing like at that point I was probably like a size 10 which is barely it's not even plus size Mm -hmm. it's regular sizing but every single showroom I went to went to a size six. Oh, wow. And the awkwardness, you know, of that is like, it just sucks. So I can't yeah. even imagine like on a brand trip. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it sucks. But I think, um, oh, shoot, I'm forgetting my, my point Train here. Of thought. <laughs> Train of thought. I, I like went back to that part. But um, yeah, I mean, at the same time, I think I never really take on campaigns where like, it's a tokenism in, t- in terms of like they don't even have my shade. That's right. just like, no, I'm yeah. not doing that. <laughs> right. And there's been times where like, uh, like I will, especially now, I'm very, very cognizant of like what brand deals I take on. I will like, if it's a brand maybe I've never heard of and like they're sending me product to try out and I end up liking it, I'll do a quick swipe through their Instagram. And if I do not see a black person within the first row or two and it's just like I'm scrolling really looking for I'm not doing that brand deal. Mm -hmm. I don't care. Like clearly I am a token here. Right. It's very clear. You know, at the very least, put some black people or some women of color, even an Asian woman. Yeah. Anybody. (laughs) Why are there only white women here and you're reaching out to a black hijabi for your campaign? (laughs) That makes no sense. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like that really (laughs) underlines what like what they're trying to do here. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, There's some brands that are very obvious in that sense. And there's some that like aren't as as much. Maybe like the brand trip that you went on probably wasn't as much, you know. But um, I I think the influencer space has definitely gotten better. Yeah, I agree. I remember like the first brand trip that I ever went to was in 2017. I was super excited, you know. Oh, my God, I'm like an influencer with my first (laughs) brand trip. Um, But there I was being invited with uh, like other women and there were a lot of women of color on that trip. So I didn't really feel tokenized, which felt really awesome. Um, But there were a lot of other women of color there that had been doing this for years. Mm -hmm. And like this was like their 25th brand trip. So I felt like a newbie in that way. And I remember we were doing product demos of like the brand's new launches or whatever. And there was this darker skinned black woman, black influencer that was there. And she raised her hand and she was like, "Um, this color doesn't doesn't work for me so I don't think I can you know show this to my followers wow and I was like whoa you can say stuff like that yeah like that really empowered me to like find my voice in front because like when you're invited to a brand trip you feel like you want to kiss their ass like, literally yeah proper yeah sharing everything exactly yeah. and so when she said that that like 
I, I'm, I'm just really glad that she was on that trip because yeah. it, it made me realize that, oh, I do have a voice and I can use this to speak up yeah. about it. Because, yeah, it. after she raised her hand, they like went and talked to her and like she explained like, you know, you can't have me on this trip because a lot of my followers are of a similar skin tone. This exactly. is why they follow me. So I'm not going to, you know, promote a product that they can't even use. Yep. And I don't know. That was just like really cool for me and I I'm, love that I'm really glad that she did that I love that she did that too yeah. I kind of wish I was there to witness it right. yeah it was glorious yeah <laughs> um but another question that she has here which I think is um an interesting one mm-hmm. um how how have you defined and thought about beauty growing up because your mom wears hijab and mm-hmm. how has that affected your outlook on beauty yeah, so my mom, yeah, she she wears a hijab. She I think she started wearing her hijab around like 25 years old. So she was a little older than when I was. Mm-hmm. Um, but ever since I've known her, <laughs> ever since I popped out of her, <laughs> she's been wearing it. So um, I think like my idea of beauty with her, like obviously I saw the hijab as a beautiful thing from the start. It was never like a question of will I wear it? I kind of knew I wanted to. It was just kind of a matter of when. Um, and you know, she grew up with her, you know, certain style. And I just like, I remember like sneaking into her drawers and always trying to steal her scarves and she would get so upset with me. I don't know why, <laughs> probably cause I got them dirty all the time, <laughs> but, um, she was a very minimal makeup girly. Like she didn't really wear much except for eyeliner. Mm. So that was actually the first product I think that I ever wore. Cause mm. like she always wore eyeliner anytime we left the house it was eyeliner and then she had this one red lipstick compact and she'd put that on and like she just looked so beautiful to me she had her freckles and everything oh yeah and I think like that was kind of my idea of beauty just like minimal beauty and I think like when I decided to wear the hijab I was in sixth grade I think I was like going into my sixth grade and I was like I'm just gonna put it on like at the start of this new year um at the start of this school year and you know she really encouraged it which like really helped um I think I think also obviously she was raised in Africa very different from where I was mm-hmm. raised her values and morals were like very it was almost like her parents values and morals right. so I think for her it was a different shift because like I wanted to experiment with my hijab style and she was just kind of like no there's only one way to wear it mm. and I was just kind of like okay well that's great for you but and and I think it was kind of this like interesting shift of like you know, they grew up just kind of like doing every single thing their parents told them to. Right. Um, whereas I grew up with like, I had a voice, I had like individuality. I wanted to do things on my own terms. And we had a little bit of a struggle. I'm not going to lie. We did. Um, but I think like over time, she just kind of learned that's just the type of person that I am. So I'm glad she had that like positive outlook on hijab at least um, that encouraged me to wear it. I never felt like I had to. Um, but you know, at the time that I did put it on, it was like the right move for me. And I think like, I wouldn't say like she shaped my idea of beauty. Cause like I said, she was very minimal makeup, mm-hmm. eyeliner and lipstick. Um, and I'm not that anymore. <laughs> I do love a minimal look, but I'm gonna do more than eyeliner and lipstick, you know? Um, but it was just like, it was, it was cool to see like her little perfume drawer and everything. Aww. Like it just, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it was really beautiful. Yeah. yeah. What kind of eyeliner look did she do? Was it like a winged situation so, or? So it's actually like the original, like the, have you heard of like Kajal eyeliner? Oh yeah. So that was actually, it, instead of it being a paste, it was a powder oh. and it was, I don't know if you've ever seen like, I mean, they, they have these still in Ethiopia, but it was literally like a metal tube. How do I describe this? It kind of looked like, 
is it weird to call it an urn <laughs> it like it kind of it was like this little like tube with oh. metal it was a metal stick and there was black powder in it and you lift it and you literally stick the 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 metal in your okay, eye okay i think i know what you're yeah. talking about yeah and it was that was like what i grew up knowing oh i didn't really know the regular eyeliner right so you know, and she used to put that on me when I was a child too, which was interesting. I was terrified of it because it was literally this metal rod with like black powder on it. But that was my idea of it. And then she, yeah, that that's, she would just like kind of put it in her waterline and her um, tight line. And that was it. She never did a wing or anything. It was just kind of like a bold, like dark eyeliner mm-hmm. look inside, but not on the outside. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And that's all she did in lipstick. Yeah. So since your mom had a, she was a minimal makeup girly, what made you want to explore different types of glam? Honestly, YouTube. Mm. (laughs) Like that's, I am a true internet kid. Yeah. Like I grew up dial up internet. That's what it's called, right? Yeah. Yeah. Dial up. Um, And every like new stage of the internet, I was on there, you know, like MySpace and all Mm -hmm. of that. So when YouTube came around, my brother actually introduced me to YouTube and that's kind of like, I I got into the music scene first and then I can't remember exactly who the first beauty guru I ever watched was. I have a feeling it was like Juicy Star 07. Yeah. Like Blair. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I was just like, oh, this is cool. Like they're just like doing their makeup and chatting and it was just, it was such an interesting world for me and that I never really had I I grew up with an older brother so obviously he wasn't into makeup for himself um my older cousins weren't into makeup at that time either so I feel like I kind of got everyone into makeup through (laughs) YouTube Mm -hmm. um so that's kind of like where everything came up and um I think the first thing I ever bought I think it was for like my eighth no it was in seventh grade I think it was an eyeliner but instead of the powder that my mom uses it was like an eyeliner stick and I would just like use that every single day and then it graduated to blue eyeshadow um quite quickly (laughs) so I went through a blue eyeshadow phase it's so funny I feel like when you first get into makeup for some reason that blue eyeshadow is is like why did we always grab that right like why did we do that I don't understand (laughs) like I couldn't just start off with like a neutral little sparkle gold or champagne nope blue blue icy blue eyeshadow (laughs) I remember I think it was a covergirl uh compact oh yeah yeah and it was like I, I was still using those those sponge tip applicators. Oh my gosh, yeah, the yeah, doe foot. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it was it was that was my OG. Oh my and then I graduated to NYX and um and then it just kept going up from there. The rest was history. The rest was history. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Okay. This oh. gardener is really I it's really getting them hedges. Yeah, why did we do Wednesday? I totally <laughs> oh <no>. forgot. But <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um Ooh, this is a good question. Um, I feel like a lot of people assume that you can't do physical activity or be active or do a sport just because you wear hijab. Mm. I know that you work out. You yeah. have like you have a um a deal with like fabletics or you have in the yeah. past anyway. So like, how did you start your fitness journey? Because for me, I was like in dance team all Mm -hmm. throughout my high school years. And so that's where my fitness came from. But when I graduated high school, 
I was like, oh, wow, I have to figure out how to stay active yeah. for act, like just for <laughs> like health sake. Exactly. So like, how, like, where did your fitness journey start? I feel like my fitness journey started when I was honestly a child, like a literal baby. Like my dad always, he really loved putting us in sports. So I started off swimming and I mm. I did swim lessons from like six months old, like literally splashing <laughs> in the wading pool all the way till I was 12, like right before I started wearing the hijab. Um, and I was like always an active girl in figure skating classes. Like just I was always in something in, in elementary school. I was, you know, on the soccer team. I was on the volleyball team. I was on the basketball team. All of it. Wow. I just always I don't know. I I, I wouldn't consider myself an active. But now thinking back, I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, that's, uh, yeah. that's a lot of activities. <laughs> I'm pretty sure like at my eighth grade graduation, I won the gym award. Oh, yeah. I, I have work. a plaque somewhere at home work. that says that, which is funny. But yeah, I guess I've, I've just always been active. Um, but I remember the shift for me happened when I was I, I think I was 11 years old, because obviously when I'm in swim classes, I'm wearing like a regular swimsuit. Mm -hmm. And then when I decided to wear the hijab, I was just kind of like, oh, mm. like at that point, there were no modest hijabs or there were no modest swimsuits. So I had to quit swimming and mm. I loved swimming. It was literally my favorite activity that I did growing up. And I, I quit because I decided to wear the hijab and obviously wearing a swimsuit. I was showing all my skin so I couldn't right. do that anymore. And I think that was the first time where I'm like, I, I want to like figure out what else I can do. Like, I don't want me wearing the hijab and my personal choices to affect like what I truly love to do. So I quit uh, swimming and then I think in school I just kind of got into soccer and all those classes. I was still wearing the hijab. By this time I was in sixth grade. So I was in, I just kind of like, I just wore the hijab backwards, kind of like in a little oh, turban. Okay, yeah. Um, and honestly, I was still wearing shorts, I think, and like t-shirt. <laughs> with like long socks it wasn't the best but I was doing the best that I could I was young right um but what's interesting is like the topic of conversation of like wearing the hijab during sports got up got brought up when I was younger because at that time there were no sports hijabs it was just like you wear whatever you wanted mm. and they were like oh this is unsafe so you can't do that and oh. I'm just kind of like oh this is like another shift like now I went through that in swimming but now I'm going through that in you know uh, elementary school and high school classes so that was like really interesting for me, but I never let it stop me. I kind of, I was, I just kind of ignored the rules. I was like, whatever, you guys can kick rocks. Like I'm just, it's, it's literally a piece of fabric on my head. Right. Like, it's fine. Right. We'll be fine. Um, and then in high school, I actually was on the rugby team. Um, yeah, <laughs> I feel like not a lot of people know that I played rugby all throughout high school. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And, um, actually my hijab was ripped off one time in a match. Oh, uh, really? Not on purpose, but yeah. like obviously in rugby you're like tackling girls and <laughs> yeah. stuff. Uh, so that was kind of funny. I think I ended up just finishing the game anyways without <laughs> it. <laughs> I had like a little like wig cap type thing on oh, yeah. underneath and I was like, whatever it'll do. <laughs> right. Um, and I just like, I don't know, throughout the years, I just always loved being active. I think where I lost it was in college. Um, cause that was the one time where I didn't want to do like college level collegiate, like, um, what's it called? Sports. So that was the first time where I'm like, I need to figure out how to be active in my, in my own life, you mm -hmm. know? Um, so I started going to the gym, I think towards the end of high school, 
And I just kind of like found my space there. I really, really enjoyed it. I just, my brother used to go as well. We'd go together sometimes. And then luckily throughout the years, I think like Nike started making a hijab. Mm. And then it kind of became more, there was more modest outwear or um, active wear available. Um, But throughout the years, I just had to get very creative. It was a lot of long sleeves under t-shirts, leggings under shorts, all that kind of stuff. Um, And then now I work out about four to five times a week. Um, and I think like from when I graduated high school where I wasn't doing sports all the time, mm-hmm. it was kind of like I had, we had to learn for ourselves, like how to be active yeah. again. Um, and I really struggled with that and I would gain weight and I would lose weight and I would gain weight and I would lose weight and I'd really get into sports and then I'd lose it again. Um, but I think now I've kind of maintained just a healthy balanced lifestyle because I enjoy working out. I enjoy the feeling it gives me now. Getting there sucks. I'm not going to lie. But once I'm actually there, (laughs) you know, I feel really good about it. I love like feeling the definition in my arms Mm -hmm. and like seeing like things changing in my body, whether or not the scale goes up and down. Um, But I think like the aspect of being a hijabi and also in the like active wear space is really tough because I... I can only work out in leggings like that's that's the only thing for me. And like I try to wear modest tops, but, you know, throughout even my Fabletics partnership, I would always get questions like this is not modest. Like, how are you wearing this going to the gym? Mm -hmm. And it was just kind of like I had to understand this is what works for me. Right. It's not going to work for everyone. And I totally understand that. Here are some options for you. But I'm not going to change the way that I work out because I've done that my entire life Mm. and it sucks. And like now I finally found a space and like found items that I feel comfortable in to like be active. And I'm just going to stick to what I know, because like I said, like I've been changing my entire life from quitting, like uh, from quitting swimming because of my swimsuits and all of that. Now, thankfully, there's so many modest options. But before it wasn't like that. So I'm just kind of like sticking to what I know now. Yeah. What has changed in like the past I don't know five to ten years in in terms of like modest fashion and like choices that you have yeah oh my god everything has changed quite honestly I would say in the last five years modest fashion in general in the fashion industry has taken off Mm -hmm. Um, whether or not it's tied to hijab or not I mean we see on the runways balaclavas and Mm -hmm. like longer long line items like flowy pants that go down to the ground and I'm like this is wonderful like I love this yeah there are so many options that like I can wear now from like Zara H&M or like even like the higher like Vince and like Sandro and whatnot like there's so many yeah we love we love a Sandro (laughs) um there's just so many modest options now and I love it it hasn't always been like that I think the extra hard bit that I've you know now I feel like in the last three years it's been a little better but it's like okay we've gotten to the modest part now but now your sizes only go up to an eight or a ten so that's the other struggle right and I feel like that's where my content has kind of shifted because as I grew up I started getting curves and you know really learning my body and then I really noticed like there wasn't a lot of spaces for modest curvy women um, and a lot of, not a lot of places that you can actually shop at. Now, I mean, I love that like sizes are being extended and all of that. So it's it's great. But it's and especially in the active wear uh, space, too. Um, I remember when I had my partnership with Fabletics, like every single month I was like, OK, well, this is not modest. So I can't wear that. This is not modest. So it was just kind of like they were really open mm-hmm. to what I had to say and stuff. But at the same thankfully. time, I'm like, thankfully, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, like I kept pushing. I was like, can you guys just please come out with a modest line? Right. I'm like that would do so well. It's mm-hmm. not just for hijabis. People love like you know, other people just maybe don't want to show their whole ass at the gym. Like, right. you yeah, know, like yeah. give us some options. Yeah. 
unfortunately never happened so hopefully in the future yeah but um there are brands that are doing it like nike adidas lululemon just launched a whole like mm. modest wear um like what's it called collection yeah that's been really great um yeah honestly the modest hijabs have really revolutionized my life <laughs> oh that's awesome yeah it really it really like meant a lot just like seeing a brand like nike yeah. come out with a hijab for yeah. people who wanted to work out that wore the hijab yeah yeah because I, like like i said i feel like a lot of people have this preconceived notion that like hijabis don't exercise yeah like <laughs> i mean it's it's tough because a lot of hijabis don't feel comfortable going to like um co-ed gyms right um and you know that's not that's not a part where like i draw a hard line but i know a lot of women do mm-hmm. um so even that's really tough trying to figure out like how to remain active because our religion really emphasizes maintaining your active lifestyle mm-hmm. there's like specific activities that are super recommended but it's hard when you know the the western world doesn't really revolve around like keeping women comfortable (laughs) so you know in in the middle east and stuff there's obviously a lot of women gyms and stuff like that and there's a few here and there even in la and a couple different places but it's not accessible so like having items at least that make you feel a little bit more comfortable in the gym depending on your modesty style like it's important for sure yeah how did you stay active during the pandemic did you do like a lot of at-home workouts yeah i did a lot of at-home workouts i did a lot of youtube workouts Um, i'm forgetting (laughs) i think it's mad fit or mad's oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, I would do a lot of her workouts. Um, and then I also used to hike a lot. So they didn't close all of the hiking trails. Mm-hmm. You still had to wear a mask, which like very hard to hike in a mask. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I fell in love with hiking. I would like at the time I lived close to like um, Runyon Canyon, I think. So mm-hmm. I would just go there all the time um, and just like do little walks and stuff. The hot girl walks were definitely very necessary during absolutely, the pandemic. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, that's kind of how I stayed active. My my apartment didn't have a gym in that one in the beginning of the pandemic. Okay. When I moved, it did. So I would go there periodically. But um, yeah, honestly, just walking really helped both with like my maintaining my active lifestyle but also my mental health yeah like just being able to go on a walk i didn't even i don't listen to music when i go on my walks or even work out really i just like to zen Mm. and just like listen to someone cutting the hedges (laughs) (laughs) the birds chirping people talking (laughs) like that like really i mean like i mentioned I'm, i'm an extrovert so being around even just nature and like people walking around that like brought me a lot of joy yeah so i'd go on like two hour walks sometimes oh wow that's yeah. amazing yeah <laughs> i love that for you yeah. oh my gosh what like advice would you give to someone who is trying to figure out how they want to stay active but they can't figure it out like you said they might not be comfortable going to co-ed gym yeah. or like yeah like what would you tell them honestly it's a lot of trial and error like i have i have done the the personal trainer route which i enjoyed Mm -hmm. i've done group fitness workouts which i've enjoyed as well i've tried so many different things but i feel like you won't really know what is your thing until you try many other things so like class pass for example i don't know if you've tried class Pass before um that's a great way to just kind of like experiment and like see what you enjoy and i think there's like women only gyms as well so like if you're not comfortable going to a co-ed gym, just do a quick Google search to see what, you know, women-only gyms there are. Yeah. Some gyms have, like, women-only hours, so you might be able to go throughout those hours. Um, but for me, I think my my active lifestyle outside of sports started in, I want to say, 10th grade. I had gained a lot of weight in my first year of high school, 
I mean, it was a lot of baby weight and just chubs and whatnot. I started P90X, which was an online program. I've done P90X. Yeah, yeah. And I did it for three months and I did it at home and it was, I was comfortable in my home. I got to wear whatever I wanted. And that's when I like really fell in love with like working out mm. again outside of sports. And that's how I kind of learned like what good form is and all of that. So honestly, I say start on YouTube first. YouTube or P90X or some kind of online program um, where you're comfortable at home and then sign up for something like ClassPass to like try out different things to see what you like. I've kind of landed on, I do F45 now, which is like a, a group fitness oh, yeah. type yeah, I've workout seen that and I love it. I'm kind of addicted to it. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've never been this consistent in working out in my entire life, like nice. consistently going five, four to five times a week. Wow. I've never done that um, and I, I genuinely enjoy it. So, yeah, I think just playing around, seeing what works for you. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Wow, this is such a good question. Let's hear it. How has hijab affected you in different beauty contexts? Oh, that is a good question. Um, I think in different beauty contexts, like in terms of like what I choose to like paint on my face, essentially. Yeah. Okay. I think like... It never, honestly, it never really affected me that much. I feel like I wore it and obviously there's different viewpoints with hijab and makeup, but I kind of just, like I said, always did what was comfortable for me mm -hmm. and just, I was like, well, my face is the only thing you can really see, so I'm going to make sure it looks good. Okay. You know, it looks I, good exactly. with a at the end. <laughs> exactly. So I think like in the beginning, I was very experimental. I would do very crazy looks, super glam, like... You know, I would just kind of like figure out what worked for me because I felt like I had to overcompensate with my makeup because I was wearing the hijab yeah. and that's the only thing you could see. Because honestly, your hair is a lot of your beauty. You know, for women, your hair is a lot of your beauty, your individuality. So like taking that aspect out, I had to be like, okay, well, how can I create that individuality? And like, how can I feel like me with just my face, mm. you know? So I think... I think the YouTube journey has really helped me just kind of figure out what my style was. And like, I went through all the styles. I was the full glam girly. You know, I was the no makeup girly. I, I'm now kind of landed into, I feel like I've had the same routine probably for like three years. Yeah. Where it's just like minimal makeup, but like focus on skin. Like I want my skin to just look glowing and I want, I really focus on my skincare. Um, when I your found skin, like, like <laughs> your skin looks beautiful, by the way, Thank I feel you. like I've commented this so many times, but like, I, I always tell her like, if I had skin like yours, I wouldn't know how to act. Like, oh I would be, God, I would be the most stop. annoying person on the planet. Oh my God, stop. No, skincare really revolutionized me. I think like I, I, think at the beginning of my YouTube journey, I never like focused on skincare. And then I got really into it after I graduated university and I had a little bit more money to spend on skincare. Right. Um, and that honestly, because I feel like I was, like I said, I was overcompensating because I was wearing the hijab. That's the only thing you saw. I also had a lot of hyperpigmentation mm -hmm. and I felt like when I wore the hijab, you could see it more. Right. Because it's just like, it was a lot of hyperpigmentation around my mouth and dark spots and stuff like that. And I was super like self-conscious about it. So I'd kind of pile on the pounds. And then when I got into makeup or sorry, when I got into skincare, it was like this whole like empowering moment where I'm like, I could use products that like really help target the issues on my skin. And then 
I won't have to wear as much makeup. I can kind of just let my natural beauty shine through. And I feel like now I've gotten gone into like my skincare routines over the past 10 years where I'm like super confident with it and it's worked for me. And I've been able to like really target those issues that I was insecure about. And now like I'm able to do like more minimal looks that like feel more like myself. Right. I love being able to just like enhance my natural beauty. And that's kind of what I do. I'm not, I don't consider myself like the full glam girly anymore. Although I love a full glam moment, <laughs> um, I just I love just like being able to let my natural features show with my hijab and just like yeah. look like myself yeah. and not have these like crazy lashes on anymore and like overcompensate with like the eyeshadow and the you know the 2016 brows etc. So <laughs> oh my god, yeah. I did it all. Yeah. I did it all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I also experimented with that, but yeah. I I've never been like a full glam girly. So yeah. having the brows with no other makeup looked a little crazy. <laughs> it looked a little insane. <laughs> it wasn't working. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. But yeah, how, like, I feel like you kind of answered this mm-hmm. before, like this question, but I kind of want to get a little bit more insight. Yeah. Um, when you, there's a lot of like black women who choose to chop their hair off mm-hmm. because they feel like it's a new beginning and they feel like you know a lot of them have because i watch a lot of like natural hair youtubers a lot of them feel like they became more comfortable in who they were when they shed a lot of them felt like they were hiding behind their hair i guess like they used it as like a crutch almost yeah and then when you got rid of it it's like redefining what confidence means to you have you ever experienced that wearing hijab yeah no 100 percent. and i think uh for me like I mentioned in in college I kind of went through an identity crisis and like it was the first time where I was like questioning my hijab like should I take it off or like different things like that or I just felt extremely Mm self-conscious in it because I wasn't around my regular community anymore Mm. um and I think because of that like I you know would change up the style because maybe it was like less obvious that I was wearing a hijab if it was like tied back like in a turban or like you know my baby hairs were out stuff Mm -hmm. like that and I noticed like I was I was the most self-conscious at that time. And after I graduated, I was just kind of like, I can kind of reinvent myself again. Like I am going into this new career on YouTube and all of that. And I'm able to just kind of like really love and accept who I am. And I decided like I'm going to wear my hijab like how I normally do mm-hmm. again. And because of that, I was able to kind of like I wouldn't call it like hiding behind it, but I felt like I was hiding behind like this persona of me, you know, throughout those those years in college. But now it's like, this is who I am. This is what you're going to get. And like, I'm able to just kind of like be fully myself with the hijab. Like it really is part of my identity. And I think in the moments where I was questioning it, that's kind of why I had that identity crisis. Cause it like, it feels like Aisha with hijab is, is just Aisha. That's who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, And yeah, so I feel like because of that, also the makeup thing, overcompensating and like peeling back the layers now, like really just loving who I am, loving my skin, being able to like share my features and just like be so comfortable with myself. Like it's allowed me to just fully like embrace who I am and like there's no hiding behind anything anymore, Mm. you know, it feels good. Yeah. 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 And you mentioned like how skincare kind of like changed your life. Yeah. Um, What are your favorite skincare products? Oh, my favorite skincare products. I love... Okay, so in general, I, I had a 10-step skincare routine like maybe five years ago. That was me. I had the K-Beauty skincare yep, routine. me too. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like it was kind of the thing back then. Yeah. I'm just so excited about everything. Yeah. I've definitely like 
chilled out more now so in the morning like i use a vitamin c don't go without a vitamin c i use the herbivore nova vitamin c Mm -hmm. it's one of my favorites because it has turmeric in it too which like turmeric is like in my culture and like in a lot of like east asian or um like different cultures around the world even like south asian exactly south asian it's used to like brighten the skin so i love the fact that it has that ingredient in it um and then what else do i use i use honestly the morning is just that vitamin C, I use a super hydrating eye cream and then just the moisturizer and sunscreen. Mm-hmm. Um, moisturizers, I just kind of like use, you know, I'll, I'll use one this month. And if I really like it, I might use it the next and then I'll switch it up. Right. My serums, I don't switch out a lot. Um, and then sunscreen. Love me some super goop sunscreen. That's kind of my go to all the time. Yeah. Um, at night, a product that I've used for years now, the lactic acid by uh, Biosense. Ooh. it's one of the best products i feel like it really helped retexturize my skin mm-hmm. i had a lot of like bumps all over my skin it yeah. was clear for the most part growing up except for the hyperpigmentation but it would be a lot of bumps like almost like congestion so i feel like the lactic acid really peeled back the layers mm. and helped like other products really seep in so i'll use my lactic acid a couple times a week and then i've recently started using retinol and i'm still like yeah it's great honestly it's great i'm still like does it make that big of a difference? I know it does. My skin has been clear for a while now consistently. So right, I'm like, right. I'll use it a couple times a week. I'm not like a full on retinol girly yet because I'm still trying to figure out like how it works with my yeah. skin. Um, And then just like a super thick moisturizer and oil before bed. Um, Do you have dr- a dry skin type? I have... I think I I layer on my skincare as if I do have dry skin, but I feel like I kind of have a normal, normal to dry skin. How does it feel to be God's favorite? <laughs> Oh my god no okay I feel like in the summer it gets honestly I'm not gonna lie I, I have like pretty manageable skin mm-hmm. shout out to my parents they you're have right great skin too so I can't you know but I did I had acne growing up a little bit um but for me it was mainly the hyperpigmentation so just learning about what products and what ingredients mm-hmm. really worked for me I think it was the ingredients part right because I think I got really into all the acids like like colic acid and layering acids on acids on acids all over the time like you know and I feel like because of that it kind of almost made my hyperpigmentation worse yeah um I think the biggest thing that I've learned with my skincare routine is sunscreen though I think that's the reason why my hyperpigmentation hasn't really come back. Same, yeah. So I think, yeah, just layering on the sunscreen um, and the vitamin C. Those two things are like my ride or dies. Yeah, for sure. even if you are black or brown, yes. you need to wear sunscreen. And especially if you have like hyperpigmentation or post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation, yeah. um, you know, all the work that you're doing at night with your vitamin C serum or your, you yeah. know, niacinamide, it's all being reversed when you go out into the sun without yes, sunscreen. Exactly. <laughs> Get into that habit for Get sure. Get into it. Yeah. Because a lot of people will compare my old videos and they're like, how did you get rid of your hyperpigmentation? I'm like, yeah, I can tell you all the products I use, but honestly, if you're not wearing sunscreen, none of them are going to work. Right. Like it's, it, like, it's not going to matter. It's not going to matter. So yeah, I'm glad I learned that like sooner rather than later. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, what are your favorite hair care products? My favorite hair care products. I've been loving the brand, um, Adua Beauty. Oh, yeah. Have you heard of them? Yes. Their products are so, they so good. Sephora, Sephora, right? Yeah. yeah okay. It's like the purple bottles. Yes. They have a couple white ones, too. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I have like super curly hair. I would compare it to like a 3C4A type curl pattern. Mm-hmm. So like just really hydrating products. I actually learned of that brand through the woman who sold me my car. <laughs> 
her curls were so juicy and i was like i have to ask like what do you what do you use and she told me that hair mask and i've just been using their products like pretty much since uh, for like a year now um and then i also love the way or not way um it's what's that brand that everyone uses olaplex oh olaplex i love the olaplex number eight hair mask Mm -hmm. that one it like just it juicy curls yeah like it just gives that hydration yes i love it um what else do i use i think that's pretty much it i'm, I'm pretty consistent with my with my hair care if once yeah, i, I don't find really, a brand that works yeah i, just I don't really it. switch it up either exactly which reminds me i just finished my hair mask yesterday so i have to buy oh, a new so you one got it, girl yep that's the four sales coming soon so <laughs> i'll be oh my god that's right next week <gasps> yep <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. I need to yeah. put my list together and make yeah. sure I get on that. Exactly. But yeah, I don't want beauty, all of their products, honestly, but specifically their blue tansy line. That's my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to give a shout out to any of your favorite, like black owned or like Muslim owned yes. beauty brands? Yes. Okay. My favorite now. Um, I can't stop talking about them. Ami Kole. Have you oh my gosh. I have heard so many good things about yes. them. I haven't tried it yet. Their products literally changed my makeup life like routine in in total so i I first discovered them in 2021 in the summer um i was at a friend's house and she randomly had like a pr package and it said amicole i was like like, i've never heard of that and it had a big sticker that said melanin rich and i was like ooh, i want (laughs) to figure this so i ordered products and i was obsessed their skin tint is amazing all of their products are amazing and then throughout after sharing them i got a dm from someone um and it was actually the founder of Amikole. She's like, I can't believe you're using my products. Like, I've been watching you for years and I love your channel. And I was like, that's so crazy. And she's a black Muslim woman. She's oh. from Senegal um, and she's doing amazing things. They're in Sephora now. So it's just like, I love seeing brands like that win. Um, so yeah, I would honestly just, I would, I'll just start with them and end with them. Amikole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. They're doing great things. I will take a note of that. Yes. So they have like really good like complexion products. Yes. So they have really, their skin tint is amazing. Um, I'm wearing it today, actually. Oh, I feel like it just looks yeah, very looks, much like skin. Yeah. Um, I'll apply it either with a brush for like fuller coverage or I'll just use it like a moisturizer right. on, my, on my face. Their concealer is incredible. Their powders, they're all clean beauty um mascara honestly everything i okay. haven't tried an amicole product i don't like all right yeah i'm well. sounding like their spokesperson but like honestly <laughs> i should be <laughs> oh, uh, okay <laughs> no they have we actually have done a few partnerships together okay. like after like i mean i've been talking about them forever so when they were launching in sephora um they i, I guess had more marketing budget so they oh. were able to like finally launch something with me so That's yeah awesome. that was really cool but they're yeah. a great brand yeah yeah well thank you so much for coming on the podcast thank you for having me yeah i feel like this was such a great like insightful conversation i'm really glad that you were able to come i know me too this was amazing you had great questions by the way you're a wonderful host oh thank you oh i love to hear that this was really really nice and i'm glad i got to see the um asia casa casa de asia Asia. there we go um where can everyone who doesn't already follow you follow you online yes you can find me at aisha harun a-y-s-h-a-h-a-r-u-n uh someone stole my username on tiktok though so it's aisha (laughs) underscore harun oh no (laughs) that's the only place where it's different unfortunately oh no but yeah you can find me on youtube instagram tiktok all the things (laughs) <laughs> yay and be sure to check out her daily ramadan se- yes. series that she's doing right now yes you will probably see behind the scenes of this video there you go <laughs> go check it out well thank you so much for coming on thank you for having me yay <laughs>